Welcome, welcome to Mornings with God. Happy Monday, or whenever you are listening to this. Very, very excited that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about something that is very central to our walk with God, and that is how to pray. I was in the car last night, and I was listening to Caleb. They were interviewing this guy from InterVarsity Fellowship, I think, and they did this study on the questions that young people are asking the most right now. You know, what do they want? And it was very interesting because young people are very disenfranchised with the whole concept of religion. And I don't think this is just young people. It's the people that I talk to every day too. Everyone is sick of the concept of religion. They don't understand how people can say they believe one thing, but then they don't live it out. They don't believe that the answers are in the church because they have seen so much in the church that doesn't answer their questions. People are just sick of this empty, fake religion that doesn't change their lives and doesn't impact them in the way that they believe that it should. And doesn't answer the real life questions about what they see in the world. And so the two questions that people most wanted to know was, number one, how do I study the Bible more effectively and use it to answer the questions that I have about life? And number two, how do I pray more effectively? And it's so cool because out of all the questions that people are asking, those are the two questions that they're asking most often, specifically younger people. I just thought that was really cool because I'm like, wow, they could be asking anything, but they're asking how to get into the word of God and how to communicate with God better. So today I want to answer one of those questions in this episode on how to pray, specifically how to pray more effectively. And we're going to look at two examples of very effective prayers in the scriptures. We're going to break these down and we're going to talk about how we can apply them to our daily life so that we can communicate better with God. Cool. So let's jump in to that. We're going to look at one Old Testament prayer and one New Testament prayer. So the first passage that we're going to look at is Luke 11, verse one through four. And this is a very famous prayer, but we're going to break it down in a way that is very practical and that shows us how we can use it every day to communicate with God. So let's read it. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So if you have been in church for any amount of time, you've definitely heard this prayer. Catholics use this prayer a lot and they see it over and over and over again. This is a very famous prayer, but it was never meant to be something that we just repeated word for word over and over again. When Jesus says, when you pray, say, he's not giving us a prescription as far as say this and this only. He's giving us more of an outline as far as include these things in your prayer. We know that because there are many other prayers recorded in the Bible by Jesus and other people, and they they don't say this exact thing. Jesus's prayer life to God was varied. He said many different kinds of prayers, many different kinds of words, 
to God and they didn't exactly look like this. So that's how we know he's not giving us like say this and this only. He's giving us more of an outline as far as include these things in your prayer. This is one example of a way that you can pray. So let's break this down so that we can have a very practical outline of the things that we can pray for. Number one, he says, when you pray, say father. I love that he starts his prayer out with father. This is a big deal because he's talking to Jewish men and Jewish men at that point, they had been raised in the Jewish tradition. They had definitely learned how to pray, but Jews, they saw God as the God of the universe, the big God on the mountain, the fire, the thunder, the like, whoa, I can't touch this God, right? I can't see this God. I can't touch this God. Um, If I get anywhere close to this God, I'm going to die. Like they saw God as this giant, untouchable figure, which in a way he he is. That is an aspect of who God is for sure. But when Jesus says father, what that illustrates is a close, intimate relationship that we are meant to have with him as his children. And so when Jesus says father, I always picture the men around him being like, oh my gosh, what? Like, what? Why is he calling him father? Like, that's how we're supposed to address him. You know, this just shows us we're meant to have an intimate relationship with God. Like when you pray to God, you don't have to start out your prayers like, oh, Lord God almighty. You can if you want to, but you can also say daddy, dad, father, Abba. You can say whatever you're comfortable with, because at the end of the day, God wants a close intimate relationship with you as his son or daughter. And so I love this because Jesus is showing us that by this example of starting out father. Then he continues, hallowed be your name. And this illustrates praise. He wants us to praise God. So you can start out your prayers praising God, thanking him for everything that he has given you. You know, when I when I start out my prayers, I start out, God, thank you for waking me up this morning, <laughs> right? That is a thank you that I can say every single day that just praise God for the opportunity I have to open my eyes today. That's an opportunity that not everyone has today. And so I can thank God for that. Thank you, God, for waking me up today. Thank you, God, for another opportunity to do this life with you, to walk with you today. Thank you for my purpose that you have given me and allowing me to see that and to walk that out. Thank you, God, for making me who I am and choosing to use that for you. Thank you, God, for the bed I woke up in or the house that I have. Thank you, God, for everything that's going to happen today. Thank you, God, for who you are and the fact that you are powerful powerful and worthy and loving. Thank you, God, that you created all of this and you allow me to see your beauty and your power every single day by me looking around myself. You know, thank you, God, for the people in my life. Just thanking God and praising God for all that he is and everything that he's doing. And so when God says or when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, this is what he means. And so we can start out praising God in the beginning of our prayers that way we remember who we're talking to, you know? It's always good to remember who you're talking to before you talk to them, especially when you're talking to God, right? Moving on, he says, your kingdom come. 
When we look at the kingdom, the kingdom is on earth, but it is also in heaven. And that is a whole deeper Bible study. Maybe we'll touch on it at some point in this podcast, but the kingdom is God's people, God's family. If you think of a king on earth, you have a king and he sits on the throne. Nobody else sits on the throne. The king sits on the throne. And then we have the people who follow him and the people who he reigns over. And then you have his law, his way of doing things. And so when we look at the kingdom of God, that's the same way. We have God as the king. He sits on the throne of our lives. Nobody else, right? We got to get off our throne and put God on our throne, right? <laughs> on the throne of our lives. We have the people who follow him, the people who he He reigns over. So that would be his Christians, his disciples who actually follow him, not in word, but also in deed, right? And then we have his law, his way of doing things, the Bible. And so when it talks about your kingdom come, that illustrates that we are meant to pray for the needs of God's people, pray for that they can continue to follow him and that whatever they need to be faithful, um, people who are already in the kingdom, people who are coming into the kingdom. When I pray in this section of my prayer, I pray for my church family. I pray for the people I'm reaching out to and the people I'm studying the Bible with. I pray for the people that I lead and that I mentor in the faith. I pray for my spiritual family and my physical family, my physical family that's my spiritual family, and then my physical family that I want to be my spiritual family. This is the time in your prayer where you pray for God's people and the people that you want to be God's people. I pray for my leaders. Side notes, please pray for your leaders because the thing is, a lot of people have no idea how heavy it is to lead. And you don't really know how heavy it is to lead until you actually lead. I always pray for my leaders because I know that they have so much on their plate. I can't imagine how heavy the calling is on their life because my calling is not even that big yet, as big as theirs is. And sometimes I feel like I'm drowning in it, you know? And so I'm like, man, I can't imagine how heavy the calling is on their lives and how hard it is to fulfill it sometimes. And so I make sure I pray for them every single day. And I want to encourage you to do that too. Just encouraging you to pray for your leaders for the things that they're carrying that you don't even realize. A lot of times we see the title of leaders before we see the humanity of them. And just remembering that our leaders are human and that they need our prayers. They need our prayers so much. And so I thank you for praying for me and everyone who prays for me on a regular basis. Thank you very much. But I want to encourage you also to pray for the other leaders in your life. Pray for the people who are teaching you the scriptures. Pray for the people who are fighting for for you daily, because when you're a leader for God, you're on the front line of a spiritual war and that comes with difficulties. And so, yeah, complete side note, but (laughs) definitely try to pray for your leaders during this section, but just all, not just your leaders, everybody, you know, when Jesus says your kingdom come, he's talking about God's people and God's way of doing things. So the, your kingdom come in the lives of the people that I want to bring into the kingdom. Moving on, it says, give us each day our daily bread. 
I love this because any like any good father, God wants us to ask him for stuff. <laughs> and so he's like, give us each day our daily bread. God wants to supply, <laughs> supply. God wants to supply your needs and he wants you to depend on him for that. He promises in Matthew 6, 33, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will give you everything you need. And so as you are seeking him first, as you are seeking his kingdom first and trying to obey him and do life with him, then you can pray for whatever you need and he will supply that. And so he wants you to ask him for what you need. Now it says, give us each day our daily bread, meaning he doesn't want you to pray once a week. He doesn't want you to pray once a month. He doesn't want you to pray only when you are in a difficult situation. No, he wants you to pray daily for what you need daily so that he can provide your needs daily, right? He wants that daily relationship with you in that you're talking regularly and you're building that relationship and you're depending on him for your needs. Now, for someone like me who's super independent, I don't like to depend on anybody. However, I have had to learn how to depend on God. And this is one of the reasons why prayer is so important is that it is our admission that we cannot do it alone. And sometimes that's hard to admit that we can't do it alone. I want to believe sometimes that like, I got this. I'm strong. I got it. I can do it. I don't need nobody's help, period, right? And prayer is admitting that we do need God's help. (laughs) And so this is us being humble, humbling ourselves before the Lord and really asking him for what we need every single day to supply our needs. Continuing on, it says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. We all sin every single day and we all need to ask for forgiveness. And I love this because we need to ask for forgiveness every single day. But why this is important is we actually need to see our sin. The Bible says that anyone who says they have not sinned is a liar and they make God a liar because the Bible also says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, So we have to admit our sin. We have to see our sin and we need to ask for forgiveness from God. What that also does is it keeps us from being self-righteous towards people because it's really easy for me to judge your sin if I don't see my sin. But if I see my sin and I see how I need a savior, how I'm just a sinful person who needs a savior, just like everybody else. If I see that, then it's really hard for me to judge somebody else in their sin because I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm a sinner too. So that's what keeps us from being self-righteous is just continuously asking God for forgiveness and seeing our sin every single day, not as a way to be shameful and live in guilt, but as a way to just be conscious that we need God just as bad as anybody else. Also, it says, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiving other people is a requirement. It's not an option. We have to forgive other people in order to be forgiven. The Bible says if you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. Forgiveness is a salvation issue (laughs) because if God doesn't forgive us, we can't go to heaven. And so we do not forgive other people. We're not going to be forgiven and we can't go to heaven. And so we have to forgive other people. If there's anyone that you have not forgiven in your life, you got to forgive them because there's no way that God can forgive you if you do not forgive other people. Why is that? It's because we go to God and we're like, hey, I need you to forgive me even though my sins put Jesus on the cross. I killed your son with my sin. Your son had to die on the cross for me, 
for my sin so that I could be forgiven. I killed Jesus, but I want you to forgive me. But this other person that has done something to me, I'm not going to forgive them because what they did to me hurt me or what they did to me made me mad. Right. And so it's just hypocritical to ask God for forgiveness. When we killed his son, we're a murderer. Nothing that anybody else has done to us or against us is worse than what we did to Jesus by putting an innocent man who is also the son of God, God in the flesh on the cross with our sin. That's why we have to forgive people even when we don't want to, even when they've done really horrible things to us. There's some horrible things that people have done, but at the end of the day, none of it is worse than us murdering Jesus with our sin. Also, forgiveness is not just for the people we forgive. Forgiveness is for us as well. It doesn't, number one, everyone wants forgiveness, <laughs> right? Whether or not they ask for it, everyone wants to be forgiven. Some people are too prideful to ask for forgiveness, but we all want to be forgiven. The other thing is we forgive in general for us and not for the other people, because even if they're not asking us for forgiveness, we're still, if we don't forgive, we're still holding on to what they did to us. We're still holding on to that hurt and that pain. I heard one time that not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. When we hold on to that bitterness and that anger, that rage, that hurt, we're hurting ourselves. We're not hurting the other person. They can go on and live about their life. <laughs> you know, they, they skipping down the road, doing whatever. We have to forgive them and trust that whatever is coming to them that God will handle whatever they need to get. You know, I personally have a conviction that God doesn't play about me. You could hurt me if you want to. You could mess with me if you want to, but God doesn't play about me. You're going to get it at some point. I just had to get to the point where you're not going to get it from me. I got to trust God enough to know that I'm going to sit here and I'm going to forgive you so that I can walk in peace. And I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of whatever he needs to take care of in your life so that eventually you pay the consequences of who you are that allowed you to treat me in such a way. That is a hard thing. That takes a lot of faith because a lot of times we want to fight back. And as a player who has, I said a player, a player because I I trained as an athlete to fight back, but <laughs> but as a person who has always been a fighter and then trained as an athlete to become more of a fighter, it's hard sometimes to trust that God is going to fight for me. But that's part of what allows us to forgive is that I don't have to hold this against you. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to, yes, I'm going to let go of it. I'm not going to hold malice or seek revenge or this against you. I'm going to wish you the best and I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to trust that whatever you have coming to you, whatever consequences you need to pay or you need to face is not my responsibility to make sure you face those, but God's responsibility. And I'm going to leave it there. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on forgiveness because that's a really deep topic. So yes, forgiveness is absolutely a salvation issue. We got to forgive people and we have to allow God to fight those battles for us. We'll do another episode on forgiveness because I want to I want to spend a lot more time speaking deeper on that. Forgive for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. 
This is key. Lead us not into temptation is key because we're praying for protection. We are all tempted by certain things. We are all, we struggle with different things. And it's like, okay, God, protect me. Help me not walk into temptation. Keep me strong against the things that are going to pull me away from you. Help me fight them. Help me fight them spiritually. Help me act spiritually in this situation that I'm about to walk into. Sometimes I know that I'm going to, I'm going to see somebody that is, does, not always bring out the most spiritual side of me. I'm praying beforehand, like, oh, Jesus, please help me. (laughs) You know, like, please, please help me be spiritual in this situation, bro, because this is about to be a struggle. Or, okay, God, whoa, this is a temptation. I'm tempted right now. Please help me walk away. Help me walk away, please, because I'm struggling, right? I'm tempted to do this, God. Help me walk away. Please, please protect me right? We all struggle with different things. And so you need to pray through the things that you struggle with. Pray through the the temptations that you have. Pray through the situations that you're going into every single day that can potentially pull you away from God. And so that is what this is illustrating right here. So this is the Luke 11 prayer. And again, this is not meant to be a specific, like say these exact words over and over again, but it's meant to be more of an outline for a prayer that we can say to God. And I love this because a lot of times I have this as a card. And sometimes when I don't know what to pray, I'll just read this prayer over and I'll say, okay, well, let me start out praising God. And then I praise God for a little while. And then I'm like, okay, kingdom come. I need to pray for people. I need to pray for their needs. Give us each day our daily bread. What do I need from God? Okay, let me pray through that for a little while. Forgive us our sins. How have I sinned against God? Then I need to pray for forgiveness. I need to confess and ask him for forgiveness. And then for we forgive everyone who sins against us. How do I need to ask God to help me to forgive? That's the other thing. We can ask God, God, I don't want to forgive this person. I'm struggling to forgive this person. Please move my heart and help me to forgive this person. Because forgiveness is also a work of God. That's not something that we also always want to do. And that's not something we can do on our own. So we can ask God for help in order to forgive. And then the temptations, what am I struggling with and how can I, uh, how can God help me through those? So this is a super useful outline. Now let's jump to Nehemiah. We're going to look at one more prayer and a couple other things that we can kind of add to our prayers to make them powerful and to make them effective before God. I love this prayer in Nehemiah 1. He is getting ready to go to the king to ask to go and rebuild his homeland of Jerusalem. And it's really cool because you can just see how much Nehemiah depends on God. And so, like I said earlier, prayer is an admission that we need God's help. It's an admission that we cannot do it on our own and that we need God's help to do whatever we're going to go do. And so we see this very much in Nehemiah's prayer and just his entire handling of the situation. And so if you've never read Nehemiah 1, I want to encourage you to go read it. And really not just Nehemiah 1, but the whole book of Nehemiah is really, really awesome. So if you haven't read that, I want to encourage you to go read that. But starting in verse four, he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So we see here in the very beginning, he starts 
out praising God. And we just said in Luke 11, where we can start out, hallowed be your name, that's starting out praising God. And so we see here that Nehemiah is doing just that. He's reminding God, like, listen, I know who I'm talking to here. This is who you are. I'm grateful to be talking to the God of the universe, the great and awesome, the great and awesome. <laughs> The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love, right? Like remind God, like, I know who I'm talking to. This is who you are. Thank you for being that. Then it says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So he's asking God to hear him. This shows that his heart isn't entitled. He doesn't expect the God of the universe to listen to him. He's like, please listen to me. Thank you for listening to me. Please hear me. He's not praying from a place of entitlement at all. He's praying. He's asking God to hear him and he's noting himself as a servant. He's like, please hear the prayer of your servant. And so he's coming to God in humility and not in entitlement. That is key. And we need to do the same. Then it says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. He confesses sin. And again, we we talked about in Luke 11, asking for forgiveness. Confessing sin is key. We have to be able to see our sin before God, to see where we have messed up and just own it. God doesn't want us to be shameful about it. He doesn't want us to feel guilty about it, but he does want us to own it, confess it and ask for forgiveness and then change it. That's what he wants us to do. And so confession is key. That is something that we can add to our prayers every single day to make our prayers that much better more powerful and make our walk that much more powerful. Because if we find that we're confessing the same thing over and over and over again, that's something that may be a stronghold. That may be a heart issue that we're not willing to give up or something that we're struggling with that God, we need to ask for God's additional help with. And so confession is a great part of our prayer. And then it says in verse eight, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. I love this because one of the things we can do in prayer is remind God of his own promises. I do this often where I'm like, God, I know that in your scriptures, you said this. So thank you for this. You said this in your scripture. I pray that you do this for me because you said this. And so I love that Nehemiah is reminding God of his own promises. It's not like God forgot, but it's just the fact that like, I know you said this. I am placing my faith in what you said. I am believing in your promise. And so you said this, and so I'm going to thank you in advance for doing it. You said this, and so I'm going to pray that you do this in my life specifically right now. And so I love that he is reminding God of God's own promises, and we can do the same. Then in verse 10, it says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand. More praise, 
for God. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Again, not coming from an entitled place, but asking God to hear, asking God to pay attention, but also making sure that he is designating, listen, we're those people who obey you. We're the people who delight in you. We're the people who revere your name. When we're asking God for things, can we honestly say, I revere your name. I value you. I celebrate you. I delight in you. I follow you. I obey you. Can we honestly say that? And if we can't say that, then that's something we need to confess and repent of so that we can then say that to God in asking him to hear and respond to our prayers. And then he says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And he's talking about the king that he's about to go talk to. Again, in Luke 11, we talked about asking God for what we need. And so in this situation, he needs success when he's going to talk to the king. And so that's what he's asking God for. He's asking God for what he needs. He's like, please give this to me. And so we can ask God for what we need. This is another example of a super powerful prayer and different things that we can add to our prayers, different elements, but also an attitude, a a place of that our heart should be when we pray to God and how that comes out in our words and our prayers. And so I hope this episode has really helped you just look at two different examples of prayers and really equipped you to have a more powerful prayer life because God wants us to talk to him. He wants this intimate father-child relationship with us. He wants us to come to him just like when you fall down in the playground and you run to your parent and you're like, daddy, pick me up and you're crying or mommy, pick me up. You know, like God wants us to treat him like that. He wants that relationship. And prayer is one of the most intimate ways that we can build and maintain that relationship with God. So let's use these practicals in our personal prayer life. One of the things I encourage you to do is write these scriptures down and kind of write out an outline of the things that you can include in your prayers. Save it on a card, hang it up in your on your on your wall or in your prayer closet or something. Hang it up so that when you're praying, you you can look up at it and say, oh, I can I can pray for this now. I can pray for this now. I can pray for this now just to kind of jog your memory because sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray for. Uh, we don't know how to pray. And this can serve as a really good reminder. So again, the scriptures are Luke 11, one through four, and then Nehemiah one, we read four through 11. Write those scriptures down, outline them, and then keep it as a reference for you to pray through them. So I hope this episode has helped you. Cheers to your new, more powerful prayer life. And thanks so much for tuning in. I always love this time together. I love our time walking together. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. And I will see you again next time. Have a great day. Bye.